Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for bringing us into your house, Lord God. We thank you for an opportunity to worship you and to serve you, to give unto you and to receive from you this morning, Lord, to hear testimonies and to see some of the things that you've done even within the last month, Lord God. Our desire this morning is that you would speak to us in the area of breakthrough, Lord God, what it is, why we should desire it, those that you've already given unto us and those that are ahead of us in our future, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds to see, Lord God, the gift that breakthrough is for us, Lord. Have your way in this service. Have this way over your people, Lord. We pray that as we've come together as one body, that you would speak to us also as individuals here this morning, Lord. There's something you want to say to us, something you want to show us, Lord God. Maybe even show us what's been working beneath the surface in our lives, Lord, and how close we are to breakthrough, Lord. Let us have a spirit within us, Lord, that refuses to quit today and pushes it off to tomorrow, Lord. We love you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So I want to get a, a good look at what breakthrough is and let that set the stage for this series, right? The month of February, we're going to be looking at breakthrough and, and we need to know what it is that we're actually talking about. So here's a definition uh, that I found on breakthrough. A sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development, an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere or activity, an act or instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle, a sudden advance, especially in knowledge or technique, a person's first notable success, and in the area of warfare, an offensive military assault that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line. So that's breakthrough. That's what we should be looking for when we're talking about it and you're praying about it, what breakthrough is. So first of all, in order to have breakthrough, there has to be something that actually needs to be broken through, some obstacle that needs to be overcome. Many of us want breakthrough, but what is the actual obstacle? What are you penetrating through? What has to be overcome? What has to be removed or destroyed in your life? We need to know exactly what it is. Many of us have had a lot of victory in our Jericho conference. Somebody say amen. amen. So a lot of what Jericho is about is getting to know the obstacle, getting to know what it is you're up against, what you're facing, how big it is, how thick it is, how long it's been there, right? If you're going to have breakthrough, there has to be an obstacle. Number two, there has to be... Uh, an actual overcoming and breaking through, right? A lot of us know what the obstacle is now, but we haven't broken through it. 
We haven't found victory. It's not a thing of the past. We're not stepping over the rubble like they did in Jericho. It's not breakthrough just when you get illuminated about what it is that you're up against. In order to have an actual breakthrough, you have to overcome. You have to move beyond. And then the last one, the third, when it comes to break, breakthrough, there will always be a new physical status and mental understanding because you find yourself somewhere you've never been before. Look at breakthrough in those three areas. Number one, there has to be an actual obstacle. Number two, you have to break through it. And number three, you'll always find yourself in a new physical place with new mental understanding because you've never been there before. You are separated from that by some type of obstacle. <clears throat> That's why the title this morning for week number one of Breakthrough is Somewhere You've Never Been. Somewhere You've Never Been. We're going to use Abraham as kind of the foundation this morning uh, for an example for us. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. Genesis 12, 1, looking at Abram, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from where your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and left, or excuse me, and Lot, his brother's son, and also all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. Abraham, or excuse me, Abram, enters into this area of breakthrough late in life. He's 75 years old, so it doesn't matter how old you are here this morning, you can have some breakthrough. You can enter into something for the first time, literally, in your life. He's 75 years old. He's successful. He's wealthy. It says he has property. He has land. He has animals. He has servants. He has people that actually work for Abram. He's already made a home for himself, right? And all those things could be considered blessings, and they would be considered blessings in our lives, right? But not if they become barriers to the call of God. If they are barriers to the call of God, then they have to be broken through. It's, it's a blessing to have finances and to have resources, to have servants, to have land, to have a home, to have a family, all that stuff that he had. During offering this morning, Gary, Gary shared, uh, shared about a man who had a very similar story, right? He says that, that he came to the Lord and he says, well, uh, what I have to do to, to inherit eternal life, that's the story behind this rich young ruler. And God says, hey, just keep the commandments. Love me, know who I am, don't commit adultery, don't do any of these things you shouldn't be doing, and, and you're good to go. He says, all those things I've been doing since I was a child. And then Jesus says, now I'm about to, to show you that your blessings are a barrier. Right? Is that what he said to him? He said, okay, then sell all the stuff that you have, bless the poor, and come follow me. And this rich young ruler, what he says is, what the scripture says is that he walked away sorrowfully. These blessings became my barrier. I have access to Jesus. He's right here in front of me, and he's saying, come with me, follow me, walk with me. But the very things that he gave me have now become a barrier to following him. That's not what happened with Abram, and that's why his life changed the world. What did it say in verse 4? Genesis 12, 4 says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. 
See, sometimes when it comes to breakthrough, we think it's such a big deal and all this stuff we have to do and, and you know, things we have to jump and it's just not that big of a deal. Jesus said, God said to Abram, listen, I bless you with all kinds of stuff. But what I need you to do now is just leave, leave everybody and everything you know behind. I'm going to take you somewhere that you've never been before. And all the simple, it simply says in verse 4, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Imagine if that rich young ruler had have sold his stuff as the Lord had spoken to him. You know, there's no other mentions of that guy. There's no other stories about him. There's no other victories and destiny in his life in the word of God because his blessings became a barrier. So we've got number one, right? The thing needed to be broken through for Abram was, hey, I've got to break through this, this place on the planet that I call home. It's a barrier to following what God has for my life, so he breaks through that, right? Or that's the barrier. He actually breaks through it when it says in verse 4 that he listened to God and he departed. He took off with his family, with his wife, and with his nephew, and they take off to a new land. But what about number three? I said that there's going to be a new place that you find yourself physically and a new understanding that you're going to have mentally. So let's look at uh, the next chapter, Genesis 13, verse 1, with Abram. It says, Then Abram went up from Egypt... He and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites that then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot lifted his eyes. He saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, say Abram. Abram. After Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. So listen to this story. Abram has an initial barrier, right, to following God and being in the will of God and being close to God. He says, you got to leave everything behind your home and go to a new place. He breaks through that barrier, takes off. But what about this mental and this physical newness, right? It says that he had been to Egypt. It says that now he's come into the plain of Jordan and he's around Canaan. These are places that physically had never been before. And he would have never seen had he not broken through and left home. I thought about, uh, not Sarai, but Sarah from our church who's, who's in London right now. 
you know, she's been here her whole life. She's grown up here. Her family's here. Her friends are here. She almost left to go to San Francisco to go to college, but decided to stay here and stay home. And then we were able to pray with her and God revealed some things and we sent her off to London, right? It's somewhere she's never been before. She's experiencing things that she's never seen before, right? Physically, she's in a new place. You heard her testimony, I think it was last Sunday, and she talked about all the things that she's learning and seeing differently. None of that would have happened if she stayed home. Spiritually, many of us have stayed home and nothing's happening. Abram is seeing a new land, new places that he had never seen before. But what about mentally? What's different about him? What's changed about him? Listen to what he says in verse 8 and verse 9. Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go right, or if you go right, then I'll go left. Mentally, Abram has gone to a place that he's never been before, I believe, where land itself is no longer of much importance. You see it? Like, when he was home, he built something. He built an empire. He had a place that nobody could enter into. It belonged to him. And now that he's had this breakthrough, he's sitting with his, with his nephew who has a bunch of stuff, and he has a bunch of stuff, and he says, listen, I don't really care. Take whatever you want. If you want that land, I'll go find land over here. If you want this land, I'll go find land over there. Mentally, it's no longer about the land. He's in a place now where he says, listen, if I've got my wife with me, if I've got a, a home to call home, it's no longer about the land, whether I even own it or not. It's about me and who's with me when I get there. It's about the Lord that's brought me and protected me and provided for me. For us, when we look at breakthrough, you have to ask yourself if you've been changed to the point where everything associated with that barrier, everything associated with that idea of breakthrough how you look at the whole situation and circumstance has truly been changed if you really look at that area of your life differently. Not only is that barrier behind you, but the old you that used to think a certain way and live a certain way is also behind you, right? I, I hear Gary testifying all the time. Like he said, he was up, up there talking to me. I think it was last week and we were talking and he was saying, you know, Giving's not even hard anymore. It's just what we do. He said, he told me, like he shared with you guys this morning, I just feel like there's more that God wants for me. I don't know what it is, but there's more. See, that old person that he used to testify about that sat in church for six months and never gave, that person is gone, never to be seen again. Right? That's how you know you've had breakthrough. Not only have you had an obstacle of giving, then you broke through that obstacle and started giving, but mentally and physically you are in a new place. It's no longer about I'm doing what I know I should do, but I don't really want to. Amen. That's not breakthrough. That's, right. That's obedience. Amen. You see the difference this morning, church? He wasn't giving like I wasn't giving when I first started coming to church. But then you know what you're supposed to do and you have obedience and you start giving. You've, you've kind of gotten through that wall, but you have not had breakthrough until you're like, I am mentally and physically in a different place than I've ever been before. That's what you see in Lot's life when he says, you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. I don't even care about the plot of land. God made some promises to me. And as long as I've got God and I've got Sarai, we're good. And if you watch Abram's life later, this, he has breakthrough after breakthrough. Hey, you used to be Abram. I'm going to take your name. Now you're Abraham. She used to be Sarah. I'm going to take her name. Now her name is Sarah. You, you, were, you were without children. Now I'm going to give you children. 
right? Like he just kept breaking through and breaking through and breaking through. That's what our lives are supposed to look like. Breakthrough after breakthrough. So let's shift our focus onto the barriers themselves. Say barrier. Barrier. Say barrier. barrier. All right. Number one thing you need to understand this morning is about barriers in motion. Say motion. Motion. Barriers in motion. When we think about barriers, we think of like a brick wall that's standing before us. We run against it and we bang our head and we're like, I'm just going to break through. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And you get up again and you run and bang, you bang your head. That barrier is just standing there. Then you go back and you're like, man, I got to figure out how to get through this. And maybe somebody can help me. Anybody got some tools? Let's figure out how to break through this. And then that barrier is just always there. And you just keep going until one day you're going to have victory. It's waiting to be broken through somewhere down the line over there. The breakthrough that we need, we all have different areas of breakthrough. It's usually not just one. I've got multiple areas of my life right now where I need breakthrough. And I'm assuming the same is true for you guys this morning, where you've got at least one, two, four, 20, however many (laughs) areas where you need breakthrough in your life, right? Listen, they are not standing still. They're in motion. It's not like a punching bag or a brick wall where you're just there and like, oh, I'm going to figure out how to beat this thing until it falls or until it quits. And it's just standing there. No, it's in motion and it's fighting back. Your barriers are pressing against you. They are in motion. They They are ducking and dodging whatever it is that you're trying to bring against them. And they're trying to weaken you at the same time. They're barriers in motion, physically pressing on us, trying to redirect our lives and our vision however they see fit. Matthew eleven twelve puts it like this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It's not a fun and games kind of situation when it comes to the barriers in your life and the obstacles in your life. They are violent, and they are violently trying to take what belongs to you and what has been set aside for you by force. When Abram left and God said, I have a land for you, he might have thought like, oh, I had my breakthrough. But you know what happened after he left? He had to fight battles. He had to fight for the land that was there for him. And it fought back. I'm going to need some uh, volunteers this morning. We're going to use uh, Isaiah to start. Can you come up here? I need five. So RJ, you can come. Devin, you can come. Aaron, if you don't mind, come on up here. Um, We can have some some female barriers as well. Sherry, come on up here. Alexis, (laughs) one, two, three, four, five, six. Perfect. All right. Let me move myself out of the way here. So I'm going to have you guys move around a little bit. Everybody go down there except for Isaiah. Can you guys just go right down there on that side? Perfect. So check this out. Some of the things that come against us in our lives. Let's say Isaiah's at that age. He's 10 years old. He's 11 years old. And all of a sudden, this, this barrier or this obstacle comes against him, and we'll, we'll call it uh, drugs, right? So, RJ, you're going to be the, the barrier or the obstacle of drugs. And you've got Isaiah standing here. You're right there, right? And so let's say this. This obstacle comes against this 10-year-old or 11-year-old, and it's not just standing there, standing still like it's no big deal. He's actually trying to impose his will upon Isaiah. He's trying to push him one way. Isaiah's trying to push him back the other. There's this battle for who is going to have victory in his life, right? So many of us, we were able to overcome this particular one when we were 10 years old or 11 years old. I remember being in school, and they had the D.A.R.E. program. So somebody came to our school, 
And it was terrible because they exposed us to stuff we didn't even know was going on, right? They opened this suitcase, there's like 80 different drugs. You're like, what is that? <laughs> right? But we knew, like, just say no, just say no. I went home and I was like, Mom, Dad, we're going to just say no. And they're like hiding stuff. <laughs> right? So, so this drug comes against, comes against Isaiah, who's 10 or 11, and he, and he throws a knockout punch. Bam, he just says no. Lay down, man. So, so he's had this victory, right? He's got the breakthrough. You're okay. You can come out a little bit. Just stay on the ground, though. And, he, and he's had that victory, right? But then, you know, at, you know, 12, 13, uh, this, this little boy who, you know, knocked out drugs, all of a sudden, Sherry come up here, and, and, and now the, the or excuse me, uh, yeah, Sherry, come on up here. Now all of a sudden, the opposite sex comes into the equation, and she starts to press against him, right? And now he's losing ground. <laughs> and now he's losing ground quicker than he thought was possible, right? And then Aaron come up here. Now all of a sudden, uh, comes against him, uh, a broken family and divorce, and they're starting to push against him. Pu push against him. He's coming back towards me. He's getting out of the way, right? <clears throat> Everything's applying pressure to him. Now, all of a sudden, Devin, why don't you come up here? Money comes against him, right? <laughs> and he's losing more ground. He's losing more ground. Alexis, come up here. Education's coming against him. He's losing all this ground. And then all of a sudden, when, he, when he's, when he's kind of weak now, all of a sudden, drugs resurrects out of nowhere and begins to come against him. <laughs> right? All right. Now let's, let's slide you guys back over there. I'll stay, I'll stay standing right there on the stage, though. Thank you. Stay there for just a second. So he has all these barriers, and look, they're in motion. They're not stagnant. They're not just a wall that if he takes a step back to think for a few minutes, he's going to be all good. They're going to continue to take ground, continue to take ground for him, right? So what happens to kids who can't fight? <laughs> Three things happen to kids who can't fight. Number one, they get beat up. Eventually, they stop trying to fight, right? And they take their milk money, right? Number one, if you can't fight, you're going to get beat up. And they're going to take whatever belongs to you, and eventually you're going to be tired of it. You're just going to, you won't even fight anymore. You'll just say, hey, take it. Whatever I got is yours. Number two, they make friends with kids that can fight if they're smart, right? I'm tired of getting beat up. I'm tired of giving my stuff away. Is anybody willing to be my friend that actually knows how to fight? Help a brother out. Number three thing that happens to kids that can't fight is they find a Mr. Miyagi like Karate Kid did, and then they learn how to fight. You can choose to get beat up and lose your stuff. You can choose to hang out with some people who can fight, or you can choose to find somebody who can teach you how to fight. So with that in mind, let's look at uh, the real problem that our young man here is actually facing with these barriers and with these forces coming against his life, right? Trying to define him and redirect him. This is Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, what, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I want to do, I don't practice. And what I hate is actually what I do. If then I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the, with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Say in me. In me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. 
The good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I practice. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law that evil is present with me. So let's look at this again. You've got Isaiah here. And he's got these forces and these barriers that he needs to break through, but they're barriers that are in motion, in motion and they're pressing against him, redefining him, redirecting his life, right? But what Paul is saying here is that in addition to what's happening there, right? So one by one, they began to put their hands on him and they're redirecting his life, right? They're moving him in the direction that they want him to go instead of the direction that he wants to go. But what Paul is saying is in addition to that, Isaiah is bearing a load, and it's called sin. It's not just action, and it's not just drugs, and sex, and money, and education, and alcohol. It's not just those things. He says, sin is actually in me. There's a burden that I'm bearing that, that nobody's really focusing on. They're just looking at my action. So press against him again. Not only is he being pushed back, Come on, guys. Come on. Keep on walking. Barriers don't stand still. Be in motion. <laughs> He's going back and down. Push him. Push him. Push him. Back and down. Give these guys a hand. You guys can sit down for a minute. So listen. Not only is he being pushed back and redirected in his life, but he's being pushed down literally into death and into, uh, into hell. The forces are all over him. And even if he was able to fight and, and, and knock out some of these things that were coming against him, what did it say? Sin is in me. I'm going down whether I want to or not. Because it's not something that I can fight. It's not something I can get rid of. It's in me. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Listen to this. God says, I have an answer for the horizontal barriers, right? These horizontal barriers that are pressing against you, fighting against you, right? Redirecting your lives. But I also have an answer for the vertical barriers and obstacles that are pressing down and literally killing you, pushing you down to hell. If you're dealing with the horizontal and the vertical, you literally have a cross. He says the answer is the cross. The only way you're going to be able to deal with the things that are coming at you and the things that are pressing down against you is through the cross. And then the scripture says, to the world, that's foolishness. How can the cross help me? But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God to do what I cannot do on my own. Colossians 2.12 says, we were buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. What that scripture means is, it says, you died with him, you were buried with him, you were raised in newness of life. And how did he do that? He said, everything that was contrary to you and against you, right, in you there was sin. And there was nothing you could do about it. There's requirements were contrary to you. You liked all those things that eventually were coming against you and you began to embrace them. Isn't that a picture? Right? I know for me, I remember being in sixth grade when they brought that suitcase and I said, I dare to say no. 
I remember it like it was yesterday. But eventually, after a certain amount of time, I stopped fighting against it and I embraced it. Right? And then the, the righteous requirement of the law that says you have to overcome those things and you can't be bound by those things, it was contrary to who I was inside. And then he says, Jesus comes, takes it out of the way, and nails it to the cross. What I could not do for myself, he comes to do. That takes us to number two. Number one is barriers in motion. Number two is breaking up. Say breaking up. Breaking up. The first breakthrough is not a breakthrough as much as it is a break up. We're breaking through the barrier and burden of sin that was ultimately pushing down on us into death and into hell. You're not breaking through horizontally through things. You're breaking up into newness of life, into salvation, into hope that matters most. Raised in newness of life. Romans 6.4 we were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Raised from death through baptism into life and newness of life. There's a movie called uh, Constantine. Anybody ever seen that? Keanu Reeves. I know he's not the best actor, but it's a good movie. Kind of like Mary's kind of scared of it because it's got demons and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, in this particular movie at the end, uh, Keanu Reeves' character, uh, character, John Constantine, is he's been battling against the devil the whole movie. And at the end, he lays down his life so that somebody he cares about can be raised to life. They've already died. And he's like, look, I'll be the sacrifice. And the devil says, well, look, I'll let you have that one if you give me John Constantine. Right? So Constantine says, all right, I'm going to lay down my life and, and you can take me. So he lays down his life, the other one raises back to life, and then the devil literally grabs Constantine around the, the back of his collar and starts dragging him off to hell. And all of a sudden, as, as uh, he's dragging him off to hell, he just becomes really heavy, and it starts breaking up the concrete, and he can't drag him anymore, and he grabs him with two hands, and he's trying to drag him to hell. And then Constantine literally lifts up from the dead and starts being carried into heaven. The light shines, he's being carried into heaven, and he's loose from the grip of the devil. Right? That's the picture that this scripture is talking about of what happens to us. Right? When we put our faith in Christ, number one, you have to lay your life down. You don't get to get into the hands of God without laying your life down. When Constantine sacrificed his life and said, look, my life doesn't matter anymore, right? and he was about to be taken into hell, that's when Right? He's raised in this newness of life. Listen to what the scripture said. We were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. When you lay down your life, now picture all these people up here again. And they're pushing against Isaiah. And they're trying to kill him. And sin is bearing down on him. And he's going down into death. He's going down into hell. At some point, what happens to most of us? When we realize we cannot fight against the pressures that are coming against us, it's not enough. We, try, we keep trying to have victory, and we go to meetings, and we get self-help books, and it never delivers us. But when we really see sin bearing down on us, if somebody has told us, if we know anything about Jesus, at some point, many of us called out to Christ, and we just had to lay our lives down. Amen. I remember what it felt like. I've told you guys a story about when I was drowning, and... I fought as long as I could, and then I knew I was going to die. I knew there was no more energy in me, and I just let my arms go up, and I fell down into the water. And literally, when I finally gave up is when the lifeguard showed up and saved me. That's the same picture that's being painted here. It's just too much coming against me. 
and it's just too much sin bearing down upon me. And I just, I'm tired. I can't fight anymore. And I just said, forget it. I give up. Jesus, if you can help, help. And literally, you lay down and die, and then he just grabs you. That's right. He picks you up and says, it's about time. I've been waiting on you. You thought you were strong enough to fight against them. You thought you could get rid of the sin that was in you. I'm the only one that could help you. And literally, as soon as you lay down and die with Christ, he raises you in this newness of life. And you have a break up. Not through, but a break up. Not only are we breaking up with, with, uh, with this sin and breaking through that ceiling. I, I mean, I could not. I wish, I wish you knew that I didn't say anything to Gary about his testimony about giving. But did you hear him? He said, I feel like there's a ceiling that I have to break through. Remember that? But he wasn't saying break through. He was saying break up, wasn't he? He says, like, right here, and I feel it. It's right there over my head. I can see it. I can sense it. I just want to break up, and God wants to take me somewhere I've never been before. We're also breaking up with this earthly world that at one time we were so in love with, right? And we commit ourselves to the heavenly realm. It exists above and behind and beyond the world that we're used to living in. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says this, says, We know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, but we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So the Lord is talking about this idea of Uh, The heavenly realm versus the earthly realm, our heavenly body versus this earthly body, walking by faith. To be in this body is to be absent from the Lord, but when we lose this body and our spirit is joined back with the Lord who created us, the joy that's going to be involved in that. I got a message yesterday from from a lady saying that her her nephew, I believe, uh, had gotten sick with the flu and was in a coma in the hospital. This morning I got a message saying that he passed away. We told you about a friend of ours who's been in the hospital because she had a seizure last Tuesday, so it's been about a week and a half, and went in to get her nails done, had a seizure in the shop, and has not woken up yet. This tent is perishing, people. It's going, no matter what you think or how hard you try or what diet you have or how much you exercise, this thing will not last. And the only way to have the one that is going to last in the place that you want to be in, right, is to have a break up into the heavenly realm where you become a person who understands, look, I'm not just here. I'm also there. You know, we've had a lot of peace. The the second story, I don't know the the young man's story. I don't know if he's saved. I don't know if he knows who the Lord is. I don't know that when he passed away and took his last breath, last night or this morning, if he was present with the Lord right after that. I don't know. This other young lady, we hope she wakes up, and we have to have greater faith than what, honestly, I have right now. 
to see her come out of that and to be made whole and to be restored to, to her husband. But if she doesn't, I'm as sure as I've been about anybody else that she will immediately go into the presence of the Lord, be raised in newness of life, have a new body, and she'll be looking down at us saying, what you've grown for, I've got it already. This idea of these two different worlds and what you break through. Revelation 1.9 says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Before I read verse 10, what that means is John is a brother of ours. He loves God. He loves Jesus. And he got exiled to an island because he wouldn't stop preaching about who Jesus is and what he came to do. Right? So he got in trouble, and they said, we don't want to kill you because everybody believes that you're a prophet, but what we are going to do is get rid of you, and they sent them to an island. Verse 10 says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. When we have the book of Revelation, it's because a man of God, I said earlier, if you want to have breakthrough, you have to go through some stuff. He was going through some stuff. He got exiled to an island, but he didn't get there and whine and cry and say, why me? And God, I thought you loved me, and why don't you bless me? He got there, and he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, praying and worshiping. Worshiping, and then Jesus shows up and says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm going to touch you with the heavenly realm right now. Whatever I tell you, write it down. So 2,000 years from now, people will have it and they can read about it. I'm not going to jump on you for not reading about it if you don't. What I will say, though, is <clears throat> the point behind this is about breakthrough. Number one, you have to know where you are. By faith we walk rather than by sight. And if you walk in faith, God will give you these visions from heaven about the other realm. John is walking by faith and not by sight. He's seeing things that many of us wish we, we could see. Read through Revelation and see what he saw. Know where you are. Are you in the heavenly realm or are you in the earthly realm? Are you focused only on what's going on here? Is that what matters most to you? Is that what drives you? Is that what you're considering 90% of the time? <clears throat> Number two, when we break up into the heavenly realm, we can begin to see what we're actually battling against, what we were battling against and what we're still battling against. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let me get all my volunteers real quick. Come back up here. They pushed you down. Let's, let's stay down right there. Isaiah's down there. He's got all of these, these pressures against him, right? And then you five, Matthew, Soleil, Yvette, Mary, and Sarah, come up here real quick. So the scripture said, you guys can come up on the stage, the last group that I called. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Say heavenly places. Heavenly Say heavenly places. heavenly places. So when you break free or you break up into the heavenly realm and you're able to see what's really happening on earth and in heaven, this is what it'll look like for you. So Isaiah breaks free. Come through. You break free and you break up into the heavenly realm, right? And then he sees more clearly, now he's looking down on these things that were pressing against him, right? When you're with the Lord, all of a sudden you're like, man, this, this money thing and this drug thing and this sex thing and this alcohol thing and whatever it is, it's not what I thought it was. 
It used to be so powerful. It used to be so strong. It pushed me all the way down where I was. But now look. And then you know what else happens after that? All of a sudden, he steps back with the Lord and he says, let me show you what's happening in the heavenly realm. Amen. Principalities, powers, hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, this one right here, this is the puppet master for that one right there. And this one is the pu puppet master for that one right there. And this one is the puppet master for that one right there. This one is the puppet master for that one right there. This one is the puppet master for that one right there. So when you get to this place with the Lord where you've been saved and you've been taken into the heavenly realms, it's no longer just alcohol. There's a demon and there's a principality that is using that to try to kill me. And now that I've been set free, he's still using that to try to kill the people that I love. But now I see it. So where are we this morning? Are we still acting as if we're down there fighting against these things that are just trying to make our lives more difficult? Or do we see what's really happening between God and the devil? Life and death. Amen. What battles are we fighting? When we say pray and you can't find five minutes to pray, it's because you don't understand this. That's right. You don't see this. You don't see the fight that you're having with your spouse down here is associated with what's happening up here. You don't see the bondage that your kids are going through with drugs and alcohol and sex in high school. It's not just associated with the kids they go to school with. It's associated with what's happening up here. Amen. God says, break free, break up with the world. Come into the heavenly realm and let me show you what's really happening. You guys can sit down. Give him a hand again, please. <clears throat> the last couple of weeks, we looked at a story of, of Elisha. And his disciple comes in and says, you know, they're, they're attacking us. They're going to kill us. We're surrounded. And Elisha says to his disciple, he says, Lord, open his eyes. Say eyes. So that he can see. And God opens the disciple's eyes. And when he looks up, he sees the heavenly realm with chariots of fire and angels ready to defend them and to fight for them. When you begin to see in that realm and understand the difference between puppets and puppet masters, and ultimately, the master of the puppet masters, who's the devil, right? All he cares about is sending us to hell. So when you make it out of there, right, he's angry about it. And if he can get the rest of your family, please believe me, he will. Or if he can get you not to fight in this room and stay down there messing with stuff that doesn't matter because you're already saved. This is Daniel chapter 10. We're talking breakthrough. If you wanted a quick fix, The Secret, or whatever Dr. Oz or Oprah has for you, that ain't the realm I'm talking about. Daniel chapter 10, verse 7 says, I, Daniel, think about John's vision. Now listen to Daniel. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. Some of us are hanging out with men that can't see. Some of us are hanging out with women that can't see. Some of us are dating people that can't see. Some of us don't care that our kids can't see, and we won't look for them and show them how to see. That's what Daniel says. I saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see it. But a great terror fell upon them. So they fled to hide themselves. I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned into frailty in me, and I retained no strength. So let, let's be clear here. What Daniel is saying is, on one side, it was great that I saw it, and nobody else saw it. They got scared and took off when they heard the voice. But when I stayed to look at this, I was literally terrified to the point where all my strength left me and I fell. Anybody ever come up against something where when you finally saw it, you're like, oh my God, this is, this is more than I can handle. I don't have an answer for this. I don't have the strength to fight this. 
kind of how I felt when I went to the hospital the last couple times to see that friend I keep telling you guys about. We're all connected to different people at different levels, but if you're connected to someone and you see them in a position where there's nothing you can do, sometimes it takes the strength out of you. Yeah. I'm like, man, what do I say to my friend yeah. who's 39 years old and potentially gonna lose his wife? Yeah. What do I say when what I see is hopelessness? Daniel's like, I found myself in one of those positions where when I saw what was really happening, all my strength left me. Verse 9, he said, yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. And suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees, on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. He's talking about prayer. Daniel is in the middle of the battle of his life, and he's a little bit worried, but he set his heart to understand what God was doing, and he prayed, Lord, talk to me, help me, show me what you're doing in this situation. And this angel is sent from God and says, from the first day you started praying, I heard, or the Lord heard, and he sent me. From the first day that you set your heart to understand in verse 12 and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So listen to what's happening in this story. The earthly man Daniel is given a heavenly vision He's spoken to about this battle being fought as he prays, as he prays, excuse me. He's just a man, a normal man, a normal woman, just like we are. He's in the middle of this thing, this battle, and he's praying, and he's given a heavenly vision. It says that for 21 days, those up here, the principalities and the powers, are fighting. Just so that God can get the answer to his prayer to him. God is good. God is good all the time. God always hears our prayers. But I think sometimes we can get impatient. I don't know when the last time I prayed for something for 21 days straight. Amen. I don't know when the last time I prayed that the message would get to me. I prayed that in the heavenly realm, God would do something special. It says that this particular angel that was coming to him, it got so bad that another angel, the archangel Michael, had to be sent to help him fight. Do you really want breakthrough? Do you really want to see in that realm? Do you really want to pray in that realm? See, these barriers are in motion. They're actively fighting against us, trying to prevent us from hearing the word of God. God is sending a word. He sends them through angels. He sends them through people. He sends them in his word. So when you don't read, it's not because you don't want to read. It's because there is a barrier fighting against you that tells you you're tired. You don't understand this anyway. Don't read it. At the end of the day, it's just a book. How's it going to help you? What realm are you in? That's an active barrier fighting against you. I got a, another text message from, from somebody in the church. Last night, 
It was a picture of a couple reading, reading one of their course books together. And they texted me and Mary and said, man, we remember the days when our Saturday nights meant that we'd do some day drinking, then we'd come home and hang out and probably get into a fight. And now look at us. We're sitting here trying to read and understand. You know what that means? It's called breakthrough. Amen. It's called, <laughs> there, there was a barrier that you have broken through. And not only are you in a new place, but you see it mentally differently. You don't look at reading this particular book the way that you would have looked at it. So we break up into this realm, but here's the thing, we still don't know how to fight very good at this point. <clears throat> some things have changed, but we still don't know how to fight very good. We found some kids that can fight, right? They're called the church, <laughs> and they're called angels. You don't know how to fight. You just broke up into this realm. You're seeing stuff you've never seen before. You're scared, and then an angel puts his hand on your arm and says, hey, I know how to fight. Me and Michael are here. Don't even worry about it. And then some other Christians come around you and say, hey, your marriage is going to make it. Your kids are going to be okay. We're praying for you. I hope you guys know some kids who can fight now. I hope you don't just come in and out of the church and don't take the time to consider that God has sent some people around you that know how to fight. Second thing that happened is we found our Mr. Miyagi, who teaches you how to fight. His name is Jesus. <laughs> right? Mr. Miyagi, when, when Daniel came in, if you don't know, I love movies. So he comes in, and, and he's like, I got to learn how to fight, man. These kids are whooping me. He's like, okay, paint the fence. <laughs> he's like, okay, wax my car. Wax on, wax off. And you know what? We're just like Daniel. Daniel's like, I'm tired of painting your fence. I'm tired of waxing your car. God's like, okay, come to Bible study. Oh, okay, give. Okay, read. Okay, pray. I'm tired of coming to Bible study. I'm tired of reading. I'm tired of praying. I don't have money to give. See, but what happened with Daniel is, even though he wanted to quit and he didn't, the next time they came to fight, he was like, paint the fence. <laughs> Watch the car. Sweep the leg. And you know what happens to us? If you don't read and you don't pray and you don't give, there's nothing, there's nothing in your toolbox. You're still getting whooped as if you were down there, even though you're up here. God is not concerned with your 10%. He's not concerned with your biblical knowledge in the sense of you accomplish something. He's not concerned with how many services of the year that you can make. He's trying to teach you how to fight. Amen. I shared a portion of this scripture. I want to read the rest of it. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. What that means is don't let any pastor tell you just show up to church and it's all good. Don't let any pastor tell you you don't have to do anything. Don't let any pastor tell you that now that you've been raised in newness of life, that that's the end of the story. That's empty deceit. That's the traditions of men. That's the basic principles of God. It says in verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped away the handwriting of the requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, when you add more to that that small portion of scripture that I read to you earlier, you get the front end that says you've, got, you've been raised, but you've been raised up in Christ and with Christ to live in that new place, not just to take your new life and chill. You got to go live in that new place. And then he says at the end, now that you see what's going on here, don't be afraid because Jesus already disarmed all of them. He disarmed all of these principalities and powers that are using these things against you. They're false. They can't hurt you. And they're not nearly as strong as you think they are. You have the Christ now. You have new friends now. You got new equipment to fight with. Just want to hope, I pray, I hope that we use those things. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. First thing that happens when you get raised and you get brought into this realm, Jesus says, hey, I got some armor for you. It's heavenly armor. If you want to battle and stand in this realm, you need this stuff. Put it on. So I'm going to bring it to a close. Number one, barriers in motion. Number two, breaking up has to happen before breaking through. And number three, breaking through to somewhere you've never been. Breaking through to somewhere you've never been. Breakthroughs are amazing. You find yourself in a new place, a new mind, new eyes. You're like a kid in a candy store. Never been there before. Gary alluded to this, but the Eagles have broken through to the Super Bowl. This is the first time in franchise history, all these years, that they've ever made it to the Super Bowl. What's that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, they did. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. When, when T.O. said that Donald McNabb got tired. So check this out, though. They're, they're in a place that they haven't been often. They're in this realm where, honestly, they're like rookies. They don't know what to do here. But they're excited. You hear the testimony, they're praying in the locker room. They're going to enjoy everything at the location of the Super Bowl. I think it's in Minnesota, right? First time they're being interviewed. Players that nobody's ever even heard of, everybody knows them now. The linemen, everybody knows who they are because they're in this new place, in this new realm. Here's the thing. They might win. They might lose today, right? But never will the, this particular group of players be able to say that we've never been to a Super Bowl. They've been there now. They're, they're part of a fraternity of people who know what it's like to be in the Super Bowl, know what it's like to play in the Super Bowl, know what it's like to be in that realm. When you break through in all these important areas of your life, right, first of all, you'll just be so happy to be there. I can't believe I see this now. I can't believe, like, I'm married and I think I'm going to make it. I got kids and I think I'm going to be able to raise them. I got a job and I think I'm going to be able to provide for myself. And you have these breakthroughs like, oh, God, thank you. But we might lose a couple of battles here and there, even though we've broken through, right? The Eagles might get smashed today. It's just a reality. <laughs> 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 
On one hand, they're happy because they made it. On the other hand, they're like, dang, we got here and we got smashed. <laughs> but you know what will happen? They'll learn how to perform better in that realm. When we have breakthrough, you might break through in an area, and then you might have some losses. You might get smashed here and there. But then you'll learn how to behave in that area. You'll learn how to be victorious in that area. If you look at the Patriots, they expect to be there. And they don't expect just to get there. They expect to win. And then when it looks like there's no way they're going to win, like last year they're down 28-3 to at halftime, you know what they expect? Miracles. And you know what happens? A miracle. Last time when they were there and they were losing, they are about to lose to the Seattle Seahawks. Watch the video. Tom Brady's on the bench with his head down. I think he's praying. <laughs> and you know what happens? A miracle. This guy that nobody knows, this corner named Butler, gets an interception on the three-yard line. When you got beast mode, you shouldn't be throwing it anyway, but he gets an interception. It's a miracle. They know how to perform and how to expect to win in the Super Bowl, in that realm. And then when things look like there's no hope for them, they know how to pray for miracles. Shouldn't that be the case about us way more than the dang Patriots? I really am closed. I will tell you one more story. Nate and I had a breakthrough this Thursday. Personal testimony of breakthrough. He's 10 years old now. We're on our way to basketball practice on Thursday, just me and him. And I told him, hey, son, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start leaving one of my cell phones, my work phone with you. If me and mom have to leave, you know, you're going to be the big man. You're going to take care of your brother and sister. We might go get coffee. We might just go for a walk around the block. You know, I'm going to leave this phone with you. And you got to be able to take care of it. He starts asking me all kinds of questions. What can I do with it? Are there games on there? Should I not do that? Can I text people? Can I text you, Dad? Do I just need to call you? I said, look it, open it, look at the contacts. There's literally only six contacts. Mom, Dad, Tatha, Giddle, Papa, and Granny. Those are the people you need to call, right? But he's asking me all these questions. He's all excited about it. And I said, all right, here, son, take it. We're in the car. I said, turn it on, go to those contacts, call your mom. So he calls Mary and tells her, Mom, Dad said I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and next time you guys go out. So now he's all excited. You guys going on a date? You guys going on a date? <laughs> it felt just as good for, for me as his father as it did for him as my son to be in this new realm. Like there was this breakthrough of things that he had never heard before, seen before, things that he didn't have before, things he couldn't use before, and now he's going to have them and going to be able to use them. He's excited. I'm excited, right? And then what happened is I just went all in. Like, I'm so excited about this breakthrough that I started talking about other stuff, right? I'm like, hey, remember we talked about girls a couple weeks ago? <laughs> I said, you know, how, how are you feeling? You know, I know you told me that you weren't, you didn't really like that girl. I said, but how do you feel about, you know, girls in general? Are they just your friends or, like, do you think they're cute? And he was like, just friends, Dad. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, that's good. I said, I'm happy. Don't grow up too fast, boy. And you tell me if they show up with a suitcase full of stuff at your school. <laughs> Don't grow up too fast, right? So then I, and then I said, well, hey, listen, it's going to happen, son. So you make sure you understand, like, you can come talk to dad. It happened to me one day. It's going to happen to you. Don't be embarrassed. Come talk to me if that, if that begins to change. I said, and by the way, I'm going to keep asking you from time to time, just so, you know, I make sure that we have that conversation. He's like, all right, dad. And then I told him, hey, like I said, I'm just going all in with all this breakthrough. I was like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're 10 years old now. You got a little sister. You got a little brother. Don't be walking around the house naked. Put a towel on all the time. Put underwear on all the time. Like you go from the shower to the towel to the underwear. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like we're about to have all kinds of breakthrough. 
And at the end of that part of the conversation, which was the third of all the breakthrough conversations we're having on one drive, right? He said, Dad, how did you know? Right? And he's, he's trying to figure out like how I knew what he's going through as a young boy and, and, and showers and stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like, son, I'm your dad. I love you. I always know what's going on in your life. And he just had this smile and this peace on his face, right? And then I thought about my father in heaven. And you know what? He says the same thing to us. I'm your father. I always know what's going on in your life. I can't wait to have breakthrough with you. I can't wait for you to be in a place you've never been before and ask me about things that we've never talked about before and me show you things that you've never seen before. How exciting it must be for him when we have breakthrough. Think about your father in heaven and how excited he gets when he's like, man, you finally came through that one. Never to return again. Never to have to beat your head against that, what you thought was a brick wall, which was actually principalities and powers, which were actually these things pressing against you, which was actually sin bearing down upon you. You'll never go back there. You'll never have to be there again because you've had breakthrough. I'm praying for everybody here as we go through this breakthrough series that you literally have breakthrough in areas of your life. To you pray for it. There's no feeling like it when we find it. <clears throat> Worship team, would you come? Last, last scripture I wanted to share with you guys. I'm not going to read through it, but Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he, and he takes them to, uh, uh, up onto a mountain to pray. And the scripture is called the transfiguration of Christ. All of a sudden, he's changed, and you see his heavenly glory. It says that his, his clothes are so white that no laundry could ever get them that white. And it says that Moses and Elijah show up, and they begin to talk to each other. And then Peter and the other two disciples are there and say, Lord, like, I can't believe we're here. <laughs> I can't believe we get to see this. Should we build you a tabernacle or three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then it says, God from heaven speaks to them and says, listen, this is my son. Stop talking. Listen to what he has to say. And they get transported from, they were in the heavenly realm seeing these things. And when God speaks, when he's done talking, all of a sudden, the voice of God is gone. Moses and Elijah are gone. And then it's just Jesus again with Peter, James, and John. And they're back on earth in the regular earthly realm. But you know what? Something I guarantee you, they had been somewhere they had never been before, never to return. Amen. Can you imagine as you walk down that mountain, as they walk down that mountain, they're like, man, Moses is around here somewhere. <laughs> Elijah's around here somewhere. Our father in heaven just spoke to us like this collision of the heavenly and the earthly had happened to them. Amen. And now everywhere they went, even though still on earth, I guarantee you they had this consciousness that the heavenly was surrounding them. Is that how you walk? Like you're here and you have experiences with people, family, friends, work, all that kind of stuff. But are you aware of the heavenly just colliding with your life? Are you in touch with that realm? Jesus could have left them up there, but he didn't. He says, hey, I got to bring you back down the mountain, but don't forget what you saw. Don't forget what's around you. Now, they're called to walk by faith and not by sight. See what that means, really? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Has God at least showed you some things that have just sparked something in you to say, man, 
I can break through. I can break through. I can break through. I can be somewhere I've never been before. I can see something I've never seen before. I can have victory over these things that have had victory over me year after year, decade after decade. I can change cycles. I can come up into the heavenly realm. I can put on the armor of God. I can walk hand in hand with Jesus. He's already disarmed all of the principalities. And we can speak in his name that these things would have to flee from us, that no weapon formed against us would prosper, that I don't have to worry about my children as they're entering into new realms and we're having breakthrough. I don't have to worry about them being pushed back and pushed down like I was because I see it. I'm walking by faith and not walking by sight. What about you this morning? Why don't we stand and just for a minute, just begin to pray about breakthrough. Pray for your own breakthrough. What areas are still pressing against you? What have you seen that maybe you've forgotten when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? What prayers have you been praying that there's a battle going on right now in the heavenlies? Principalities and powers. The host of wickedness in these heavenly places, they're battling and fighting that the word of God would get to you. That you would get confirmation that you've been heard. That you would get confirmation that whatever that battle is, you are going to be victorious. How far along the digging of your particular tunnel have you gone? Is that breakthrough going to happen tomorrow if you don't quit, if you don't stop praying, if you don't stop seeking God? Is it a month away? Is it six months away? How long is too long to wait for victory? It's happening beneath the surface in your life right now. Even when you've been neglecting it and you've forgotten about it and maybe you haven't been praying about it, God says, look, I made the big Bertha. I'm the one that's actually doing this in your life. And when you get tired, I don't. I keep going. When you forget, I never forget. When you stop caring even about your deliverance and your victory and your breakthrough, I'm still going to give it to you. Maybe for some of us, today's the day. Maybe for some of us, tomorrow will be testifying about, man, it just broke. I wasn't even focused on it, and it just, there was just breakthrough in my life. Maybe some of us, God would show you a vision that says, on this particular day, this many months down the road, if you don't lose heart, if you stay the course, I have breakthrough for you. How inspiring would that be? How energizing would that be? Just like Daniel, you'd be without strength and you'd be weak and then a hand would touch you and strengthen you and pick you up and say, keep going. So before breakthrough, I want to pray for those that need a breakup. Who cares about overcoming these things in the earthly realm if you haven't overcome sin in the heavenly realm? John 18.3 says, Judas... Received a detachment of troops, officers from the chief priests of the Pharisees. They came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, who are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I'm he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these others go their way. So here's the picture that's painted. The enemy comes against the Christ with weapons, lanterns, torches. 
thinking they're going to have victory, thinking that he'll be defeated. He says, who are you seeking? They say, we're seeking Jesus. He says, I am he. And literally, all enemies fall back to the ground. They have no power against him. (laughs) And then he says, if I'm the one you want, I step forward and I want you to leave these who are with me. Let them go. That's salvation, church. The only one who can overcome every weapon formed against you, everybody who comes to, uh, to bring death into your life and defeat into your life, Jesus says, I'll disarm all of them. Even at the sound of my voice, they fall down. Yes. And then he says, even though they have no power over me, they have to get up because I let them get up. He says, if it's death you want, if it's payment you want, take me and leave the rest of these alone. What it means to be saved is that you're one of the rest of these. (laughs) You're one of the ones that says, Jesus says he'll step in front of me and take the punishment. So listen, I want to be one of the rest of these that gets let go. This morning, if you have not had a break up from death, you're going to the grave. You're going to the grave and there's nothing you can do about it. Unless Jesus steps between you and your punishment, you will be in hell. Your parents can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. The church can't do it for you. You have to say, I'm one of the ones that Jesus said, let them go. I belong to him. He took my punishment. And I've broken up into newness of life. If you're not saved and you want to be, it's a simple decision. Somebody's got to pay It's either you or it's Jesus. If you want to be saved this morning, you don't have to do anything but raise your hand. Say, I want to break up. Amen, I see you, sis. I want to break up. We're going to make sure we get a Bible in your hand, some information and some prayer in the heavenly realm. This ain't just a church thing. This is a heavenly realm. You've broken out of death and into newness of life. You've got brothers and sisters here in this place who know how to fight. You now now have someone who will teach you how to fight. You are already victorious. All those things that are pressing against you in the horizontal realm, they will flee at the name and at the word of Jesus. They will fall before you like dominoes. You'll have victory like you've never known before. You're now in a realm like no other. The Bible says in that realm, all of the hosts of heaven, right now, they rejoice. They stand before the throne of God and they're saying, you are worthy of glory. You are worthy of honor for saving her, for dying for her. My God, open our eyes that we could see, Lord God. Is there anybody else this morning, not saved, but you want to be? I see you, young man. Anybody else? Today's your day. Have a breakup with this world. This world does not love you. And the promises that the world has made to you, they are lies. They're not going to be what they said they would. Anybody else, today is your day. Give your life to the Lord. Let him stand in your place. Receive your punishment. Give you victory. Anybody else before we move on? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for those two. We thank you, Lord. We know because we know who you are, Lord, that for even one, you would have come and did what you did. And look at what we get to see, Lord God, one after another. Bless them, Lord God. Encourage them. Give them strength like they've never known, Lord. There is a battle ahead of them. There is some difficulty ahead of them, Lord God. There is an enemy, Lord, that is not happy this morning, Lord. But send support. Send help, Lord God. 
Send the hosts of heaven to defend them and fight for them, Lord God. Send those that serve your son here on this earth, Lord, to defend them here and to help them here, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. For the rest of us, I want to pray if you need prayer for putting off quitting till tomorrow. <laughs> if you've been feeling weak, if you've been feeling tired, if you've been feeling like giving up, please don't do it. Tomorrow could be the day of breakthrough. You could be just inches away from piercing the darkness and opening up into new realms. Don't quit. Don't give up. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Don't get too tired. Lean on a brother. Lean on a sister. If you're here and you want prayer for breakthrough, I want to open the altars for just a minute, literally just a minute. Come forward. If you know the area you want breakthrough, if there's areas you've forgotten about, if you've stopped praying, if you've stopped believing, if you just want to be encouraged, just come forward. We're going to pray that you wouldn't lose heart, that in due season you would have your breakthrough, you would have your victory, you would have your reaping, you would have a harvest, you would have a testimony. Hallelujah, Lord. Let us have breakthrough. Minister to your sons and to your daughters. Give us a strength like we've never known, God. That video that I showed you guys this morning about Bertha breaking through, what they're going to build in there is a highway. Cars are going to be able to go both directions, cover all kinds of mileage, and they're going to go a lot faster than they would have been able to do it without this tunnel being built. For you guys, I want to encourage you specifically. Sometimes it's not about you. Your breakthrough that you're praying for, please believe me, God will use it as a highway for others. People will be able to go places they would not have been able to go unless you had breakthrough. People will get places faster then you're able to get there because you've had breakthrough. Stay the course. God will strengthen you. God will encourage you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. His promises are faithful and true. He says, even when you're unfaithful, I remain faithful. He says, I can't deny myself and I love you. And I want to take you to new places, Lord, for these. Bless them, encourage them, give them breakthrough, Lord God. Take them to new places. Strengthen them. Don't let them lose heart. Let tomorrow be the day, and then let next week be the week, and let next month, month be the month, Lord God. And let next year be the best year of their life, Lord. Give them breakthrough after breakthrough from glory to glory in their lives, Lord. Do it for them, and then do it for others, Lord God. Let them create a super highway for others to walk into their blessings and breakthrough, God. We love you. We know you can do it, Lord God. Help our unbelief, Lord. Send us confirmation like you sent to Daniel, God. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. We're going to worship. We're going to receive communion. Communion is a reminder of this. The heavenly realm has touched the earthly realm. The scripture says that he's Emmanuel, God with us. That God came and he dwelt in the flesh. And then Jesus himself says, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood to inherit eternal life. He's not talking about being cannibals. What he's saying is, there is only life in me. And you have to take me in. When we receive communion, we're being reminded that the heavenly has touched the earth. And that he lives inside of us. We live and walk and move in a realm that nobody else can walk in. Only the faithful sons and daughters of God. Raised in newness of life by Jesus Christ. We have communion with him. Even though he's there, he's here. 
The scripture says the life we live, we now live in Christ. That's communion. Lord, we thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you for your blood shed for us. We thank you that you've washed us clean, that you've covered us with your righteousness. As we take this bread, as we take this juice, Lord, we do it in remembrance of your sacrifice. We do it in remembrance that our citizenship is in heaven, that this tent will be passed away with and we will be raised just like you were raised, that when we breathe our last breath here, we will be taken immediately into your presence. We love you. We thank you. Give us breakthrough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You guys are free. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised When I needed a savior to save me Jesus, you made a way listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.